You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. I simply titled the sermon, Gifts. In James chapter 1, verse 17, James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good gift and every perfect gift, which means God does not give bad gifts. Amen? You might have heard in the past that God will put something on you to teach you a lesson. He'll make you sick to help you learn how to trust Him. And if that is the case, then we don't need hospitals because I'm going to stay at home in that sickness until I learn my lesson. But that's not is how God works. Every good gift and every perfect gift, God is a good God. If there's anything that you can learn, is there anything you can take away, is that God is a good God and that God wants to give you good gifts and He wants to give you perfect gifts. He wants to help you. He wants to heal you. He wants to save you. He wants to restore you. He doesn't want to kill you. He doesn't want to put sickness on you. He doesn't want to make you poor. He doesn't do bad things to try and teach you a lesson. It says the goodness of God is what leads us to repentance is what the Scripture says, and it's every good gift and every perfect gift. So today I want to talk about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and how they're all united in one, but they also have their own unique gift set that they want to give to you. That God the Father has gifts that He wants to give to you. That God the Son in Jesus has gifts that He wants to give you. That God, the Holy Spirit, has gifts that He wants to give to you. And they all work together. They're all separate gifts, but they all work together to help you on your journey in life. God gives gifts. Let's talk about the Father's gifts. Since we don't have a projector, we'll do some easy scriptures that you may or may not know. John 3.16. You've probably heard this one. For God so loved the world, which means He loved you and He loved me. For God so loved the world that He gave as a gift His only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We talked about this for a little bit, I believe it was last week, that when God decided to send his son to save the world, he did not pick from a whole litter of children. He didn't pick the runt of the litter. He didn't say, well, we've got all these awesome sons, and I'll just throw Jesus, the last one, the worst one, No, no, no. He gave you his best gift. He gave you his only gift, and he gave you his son, Jesus. And the reason he gave you his son, Jesus, was for you to be restored in the relationship with him and to have eternal life. Now, in all reality, we all are going to have eternal life, but deciding on choosing Jesus or not choosing Jesus is going to depend on how good your eternal life is going to be. It's not something that we enjoy 
talking about as pastors, but it's something that we have to remind people that there are two different places that you can go upon your death. You can be with the Father forever, or you could be away from the Father forever. It's the only two options. Choose Jesus, spend eternity with the Father. It's a pretty good gift. Don't choose Jesus on this earth, then you spend eternity away from the Father forever. Here, it says if you believe in Him, you won't perish. You won't perish for eternity, but you'll have everlasting life. It's a pretty good gift. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. You've heard this scripture before as well. For by grace you've been saved through faith. By grace, by God deciding that he was going to do something to change the trajectory of what Adam and Eve did, he decided to step in, and that is grace. It's unmerited favor. It's something that you don't deserve. He decided to step in the middle of your life, to step in the middle of humanity, to save you and me and all of humanity. But how does that work? It's through faith. It's through believing on Jesus. It's through believing on that gift, then not of yourself. That right there should take a load off of you, that it's got nothing to do with you. Your salvation has nothing to do with you outside of you believing on the one who did everything. Amen? Look at this. It is a gift. Oh, y'all can't see it. I can see it. Sorry. (laughs) It is a gift. If you need to turn around and Turn your back toward me. This is the one time you can do it. Uh, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift from God. Verse, I don't think, uh, did I put verse 9 on there? I don't think I did, Kale. Did I? Oh, yeah, you did. Thank you, sir. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. This is a gift. Salvation is a gift. There's nothing that you can do to obtain that salvation except believing in the completed work of Jesus. I worked this week in my office job. I work at home. I have an office at home, meetings, emails, spreadsheets, all the fun things of a corporate office just packaged in my house. And I worked 40 to 50 hours sitting at my desk in my warm, cozy house, typing away. And at my job, I get paid every Friday. And Friday, I got my paycheck. Thank God. Praise God. I did not, as soon as I got my paycheck, email my boss, email the HR team, and email the CEO saying, thank you so much for my paycheck. It was such a blessing. I was shocked at how much money it was. I was shocked that you had blessed me with it. I wasn't expecting to get it. Whenever you get paid after working a full week or two weeks or however you get paid, chances are you have never walked into your boss You've never gone to your HR team. You've never gone to your CEO's office and given them a big old hug and a kiss on the cheek and said, thank you so much for this gift. No, no, no. I worked this week. Therefore, I deserve to get paid, right? If I didn't get a paycheck on Friday, if you didn't get a paycheck on Friday after putting 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 hours of work in, I would be going to my CEO's office in a very different tone more aggressive tone of going to my boss saying, where is my money? Because I worked for it. You see, God 
doesn't give the gifts because you're good. He gives the gifts because he's good. Doesn't matter how much I work, good doing good work or doing bad work, it's a gift that I can obtain and I can receive that God gave solely upon his grace. Isn't that beautiful? Solely because he loves you and he loves me and he loves humanity and he doesn't want you to spend eternity away from him. He wants you to spend eternity with him. He wants to reunite and uh, reinvigorate the relationship that Adam and Eve destroyed all those years ago. And it started with him giving the gift of his son. And by him giving the gift of his son, he also gave the gift of salvation to believe upon his son. I wrote this that my kids, no matter how good or bad they are, they're going to get Christmas gifts this year because they're my kids. Doesn't matter if my kids clean their room, doesn't matter if they clean their plate, doesn't matter if they ate all their vegetables. If you're a parent, you've done the same thing. You're going to give gifts to your kids, and I'm going to give the best gifts that I can afford and the best gifts that my kids want for Christmas. I'm not going to go and buy them coal just to teach them a lesson. I'm not going to buy them socks. They probably need them. But what they want is what they're going to get. doesn't matter how good or bad you've been this year. doesn't matter how many good works or bad works you've done this year. God has already given you the gift of his son, and he wants you just to accept it and receive it through faith. So not only does God give his son to the world, eventually Jesus has to come back. He has to go back up to heaven. He has to present himself as the sacrifice to heaven. He goes up there and he shows himself to God. He shows himself. It says that he spreads his blood throughout heaven to remind them of what he's done. He goes back up into heaven and he tells his disciples, it's better that I leave. That makes no sense at all. You're Jesus. You're God in the flesh. What do you mean it's better that you should leave? You could never die. He could still be here today touring the country. He could be flying in his own private Jesus jet. He could be riding on the backs of angels. He could be selling out arenas. He could have his own Christian social media platform that we could all subscribe to. He could be doing all of these things as technology increases. But he tells his disciples, it's better that I leave because something better is coming. And Jesus goes back up into heaven, and his father, John chapter 14, verse 26, God tells, Jesus tells his disciples, but the helper, or the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Oh, wow, that's, that's a pretty good swap out, Jesus. You're going to send somebody with the name called Helper. Not the one who's coming to, his name's not the destroyer. His name is not the one that makes fun of you when you sin. He's not the one that laughs at you. He's not the one that kicks you when you're down. Jesus says, I'm sending you because the Father is sending him someone named the helper. And what he's going to do is point you back to me. 
He's going to remind you of all the things that I've said, all the things that I did, all the things that I've taught. So now Jesus is up in heaven. We ask Jesus into our heart. We believe on his completed work on the cross as he's alive coming out of the grave. And it's not Jesus who lives in us, but it's his spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And now everywhere I go, I have the gift of the Holy Spirit inside of me who can teach me and remind me. I don't have to go to Jerusalem and find Jesus walking around with his disciples like the woman with the issue of blood. I now have his spirit inside of me who when I'm having an issue, when I'm struggling, I can say, God, help me. And the Holy Spirit inside of me right then and there can quicken my mind, can heal my body, can restore my thoughts. What a good gift. And then Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. The last gift that we'll talk about that God gave. Romans 8, 31 and 32. Paul is writing and he says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's a good scripture right there to be encouraged in whatever you're going through. If God is for you, if God gave his son, if God gave his spirit, if God is on your side, then who's doesn't matter who's against me. Verse 32 says, he who did not, God, who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall God not with him also freely give us all things? Romans 8.32, I'll sum it up. In the easiest way, if God will give you Jesus, then God will give you anything. Isn't that a blessing? Isn't that pretty, how Paul describes it? If God, God is saying that he freely gave his son, and if God will give you Jesus, his best gift, his one and only gift, if he'll give you Jesus, then he'll give you anything. Whatever you need, whatever you ask for, whatever, whatever needs that you have. Because in Jesus, he's the one that provides. He's the one that takes care. He's the one that established that new covenant. And if he'll give you Jesus, he's not going to withhold anything from you. Jesus gives gifts. Let's see what gifts Jesus has given us. If it was just those things that we talked about, we could end the sermon right now, right? I mean, those are pretty good gifts. God gives his son to die on the cross for my sins. He never was a sinner. He never committed a sin, but he took on all sin, all sickness, all disease. He never knew what death was like. He never knew what being uh, cast away from God, being uh, disconnected from God. He never knew what it was like to die. He didn't know any of those things, and he took all of those things on for him to come back to life and then go up to heaven. And then God says, you know what? I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send my spirit in his place. And he says, you know what, if you just believe in what Jesus is, then I'll give you a free gift of salvation. Then you'll receive the free gift of the Holy Spirit. And then if I gave you Jesus, then that means I'm not going to withhold anything from you. If we just stopped right there, that's a good enough God, right? But wait, there's more. Because Jesus wants to play Santa too. And he wants to bring gifts to you as well. In John chapter 14, Jesus is still speaking before he goes to the cross. 
In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, peace, I leave with you. I have to leave, I have to go, but what I'm going to leave with you is peace. Not just any peace, verse 27 says, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Then he says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Peace I leave with you. And it's different than the type of peace that we experience here on earth. And then he tells you that when you operate and you receive the gift of peace that he leaves with you, then you won't be, your heart won't be troubled and you won't be afraid. Let's be honest, that's the type of peace that we all need. Certain aspects and certain times in our lives, we let our emotions get the best of us, right? We hear some bad news and our mind starts wondering. The anxiety levels increase. The depression levels increase. The fright levels increase. And if we don't get a hold of our emotions quickly, it turns into fear. It turns into not trusting in God. It turns into, well, I thought you were going to do something, God. Do you even care? Do you even love me? Do you even know what's going on? But when you receive the gift of Jesus' peace, it says through that peace, your heart won't be troubled. If your heart won't be troubled, then you won't walk in fear. Philippians, Paul talks about it. I quote it often, be anxious for nothing. So how do I obtain that peace? How do I receive the peace that Jesus has? Well, it tells us in Philippians, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And when you release your prayers up to heaven, the gift that Jesus is talking about in regards to peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus leaves peace. He then gets put over the church. Jesus is the head. He's the CEO. He is my boss of this church. And Jesus doesn't just leave the church to fend for itself. He's not like some CEOs where they sit in their ivory tower, they ride on their private jets, and they buy all their expensive meals, but they never show their face to the common man. It's not who Jesus is. He is the head. He is in charge of the church, and he is putting on his hard hat, and he's actively building his church. He's not just going to sit up on the throne room and let it do what it's going to do. No, no, he's going to place the people and the churches where it needs to be so that his kingdom can prevail here on earth, and he gives gifts to the church. And if you've been in church, you've heard these gifts, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he himself, Jesus himself, God didn't tell him, hey, you should probably do this to help. No, no. He made the decision as the head and CEO of the church, he was going to give these gifts to the church. He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some pastors, and some to be teachers. Verse 12, why did he give these gifts? Just so we can have titles, we can have cool business cards to hand out to people. I still don't have business cards, and there's been plenty of times here recently (laughs) where I've had to write down my number on a piece of paper for somebody. Here, I'm the pastor. Here, just use that number. Call me. I do need business cards. But it's not just for business cards. It says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Isn't it beautiful that God has Jesus as CEO over the church, 
And he says, well, I'm going to put these positions to help grow and build my church, but I'm going to use people inside the church to use to build the church. He's not using these outside resources. I've never been to a church where there's an angel preaching. Maybe you have. I haven't been to one where there's an angel choir where he's using the animals and the beast and the things that you read about in Revelations that he sends to the church. Well, we need a pastor angel and we need an apostle angel to go to Williston and do all that. No, no, no. He uses us to help build his church. And the reason he does that is to help edify the saints. It's the reason we come to church The reason you sit here is so that you can be edified, you can be built up, you can be encouraged, so you can go out there and share the same gospel. John 14, 13, the last gift that I have that Jesus gave. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 14, 13, and 14. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. And then verse 14 says, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. He doubles down in two scriptures. Sometimes as pastors, I don't like telling people that I'm a pastor. Because it usually changes the conversation. Either they get all holy on me, or they start confessing everything. And both of them get really weird really quick. So a lot of times, I just don't let people know that I'm a pastor. But Jesus doubles down as he's telling his disciples, hey, if you use my name when you ask, you'll receive it. If I was Jesus, I'd be like, oh, man, I don't want that many people saying my name and and bothering me and asking over and over again. But he doubles down to make sure the disciples understand in verse 14, hey, if you didn't get it the first time, I'm telling you again, if you ask anything In my name, I'll do it. The beautiful gift that he gave us was his name. The authority in using the name of Jesus. And the scripture says that at that name, there's no other name, but at that name, every knee must bow and every tongue must confess. It's how we can go out and complete the great commission. Jeremiah himself cannot raise the dead, cannot heal the sick, cannot make disciples. Jeremiah himself cannot do that. But with Jesus on my side, with the Holy Spirit inside of me, with Jesus on your side and the Holy Spirit inside of you, you can use the name of Jesus to overcome the storm, to overcome the dead, to overcome sickness. He gave you his name and he gave it to you freely. Use my name and watch what happens. Makes you want to use his name a little bit more, huh? When we were kids, my kids just started doing it. We talked about it where my kids got the Target Christmas magazine in. They got a Lego magazine in. And boy, did they get excited. When I was younger, we had the JCPenney catalog or Sears. And that thing was thicker than the Bible when it came at the end of Thanksgiving. Half of it was toys. There was so much stuff you had to flip through to finally get to the toys. And we would just start circling and circling and highlighting And my older brother and me would fight over it. Because if he circled it, then that means I couldn't circle it, which means I couldn't get that toy. 
thing is, we shared a room until I was in college, and we shared all the same toys. But there was something about, I had to circle it first. I had to circle that G.I. Joe. I had to circle that certain Lego set. For me, I was the castle Lego. For my brother, he was the, the pirate ship Lego, so it worked out. We never got either one, but we both circled different sides of the Legos. Because I would tell him, if you got the pirate ship, then we could sail it to the castle. We could join together. But now, as a parent, I found out how expensive Legos are, and I see why Santa never brought them. But the thing is, usually, I didn't get everything I circled. But I'd at least get one thing that I circled. My grandparents would buy something that I circled. What was awesome is if you could go to both sides of your grandparents and they got the same Sears catalog and you could get it first before anybody else is and you could circle it or write your name next to the toy so that the other cousins couldn't get it. So now I had three different magazines that were out there that hopefully Santa and my grandparents and parents would buy. The same is true in regards to God that you have the Sears catalog of his word in your Bible. That we go in there and we start circling the promises that God has for us. Because we talked about it last week. The scripture says, in Jesus, in him, all the promises are what? Yes. And all the promises in him are amen. Let it be. But so many times we go through life and we're frustrated, and we're wondering where God is and what's going on, and we have yet to do what He's simply told us to do. Ask what you want in my name. Well, God, I need you to do this. God, you've got to take care of this. As opposed to, hey, Jesus, you paid a price for me on your cross. And Jesus, you paid those stripes on your back, crown of thorns upon your head. And through your name and believing on you, I need this, I need this, and I need help, and I need healing, and I need restoration. But we don't know what to ask because we haven't gone and circled in the book what we want. If you need healing, you need to go find all the healing scriptures and circle them. Talk to Jesus about them. If you need help in your mind, you need help in your emotions, if you need help in whatever area it is, there's scriptures in there that you need to go and circle and then go to Jesus in his name and say, hey, this is what I have need of. And he's not going to give you just a few of those things. He is ready and willing to give you all of those things. And the last thing, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. If we just stopped with God's gifts we just stopped with Jesus' gifts, boy, those are some great gifts. And there's plenty other gifts that he has given us that I'm not even mentioning that you can find in the book. You can go find them yourself. Play a little Where's Waldo in the Bible, just highlighting some high-level things. The Holy Spirit gives gifts. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, you've probably heard this scripture, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is joy, is peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. I want you to know 
whether you like it or not, you're bearing fruit in your life. You have planted something in your life, and you are always going to bear fruit. Chances are, may or may not be bad fruit. We talk about this life and death is in the power of the tongue, and you're going to eat that fruit. Whatever you're saying is what you're growing. It says in the Scriptures, if you read throughout Psalms, that we are a tree and that God wants to plant us by the river. He wants to plant us by the water. He wants us to flourish. He wants us to grow. When we decided to say yes to Jesus, we were grafted in to the family, and he equates it to being a vine. He equates it to uh, being a tree. He equates it to bringing us together, that he's going to chop off the vines that aren't producing. Over and over and over again, we are referenced as trees. In one way or another, you're bearing fruit. And if you don't like the fruit that is bearing in your life, then it's time to change the seed. It's time to change the soil. If you want love, the only way that you can get fruits of love is through the Holy Spirit, is through having an encounter with God, is inviting Jesus into your life. If you're seeing fruit of hatred, that is not from the Holy Spirit. That is not a gift. That is not a fruit. That is not something that God wants you to have of hatred in your heart. Hatred for your family. Hatred for your kids. Hatred for your job. Hatred for somebody just simply having a different color than you or going to a different church or having a different belief in you. If there's hatred in your heart, that's not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit wants to give you fruit. And the more He is inside of you, the more that you study, the more that you grow in your relationship with God, the more fruit you're going to bear. So you should look, as you get further along in your walk with God, someone who loves more, someone who has more patience. Amen. Gross. Someone who's more kind. Somehow, someway, it seems like, the older a person and the longer a person comes to church, the grumpier they are. You all remember at the church, not this one, the church you went to a long time ago, there was that real old couple that was real grumpy all the time. They were real angry all the time. They were real frustrated all the time. And you're like, that's what it looks like to be a Christian in 30, 40 years? Count me out. I'm not going to come to church and just grumble until I go to heaven. That's not the life. No, no, no. The more and the closer I get with God, the more these fruits should be evident in my life. I should love God more. I should be kinder to more people. I should be more patient the more I spend with the Holy Spirit. He also gave us some gifts to help the church. We talked about it when we did our Holy Spirit class in the summer. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, you can go and read all of those gifts we talked about the gift of prophecy, the gifts of tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues, the gift of healings, the gift of discerning of spirits, the gift of the word of knowledge, the gift of the words of wisdom, the gift of faith, the gift of working of miracles. Nine gifts that the Holy Spirit himself has decided to give us individually to help the church and to help us in ministering to people throughout the world. The Holy Spirit decided that he was going to give some additional gifts. 
hey, that's great that God gave these gifts. That's great that Jesus gave these gifts to the church. But then the Holy Spirit shows up. He says, hey, I want to get on board, and I want to give some gifts to the people as well. And then the last gift, Romans 8, verse 11. You've heard this scripture before as well. A lot of scriptures that if you've studied or you've been in your Bible or you've been in church, scriptures you've heard before, Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead also will give life to your immortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The greatest gift the Holy Spirit gives is living inside of you, inside of you. Inside of me. Whenever I was, I was homeschooled, kindergarten through the eighth grade, then we went to public school, ninth through twelfth. In my sophomore year, I wanted to play on the basketball team. In all reality, I wasn't good enough because I just hadn't played. I was homeschooled, and they didn't really have leagues and teams back then. For Homeschooled was looked down upon back then. They thought that we were special kids, not the brightest, and maybe they were right. I don't know, but... We made it. We survived. And so the coach asked me to be the manager of the team my sophomore year. And I didn't want to be because I wanted to play on the basketball team. I didn't want to be the manager. But my dad told me, maybe if you're the manager, you'll get to learn what all they do, how they do, and you can, you can be a part of it. Show the coach that you want to play. And so as the manager, I was in charge of keeping the, the floor cleaned and also in charge of keeping the locker room clean. Now, you know and I know how disgusting teenagers are, especially one teenage boy can destroy a house, a room very easily, very quickly. Now, imagine 20 of them in one confined locker room that I got the opportunity to keep clean, to pick up trash, turn on the showers for them, flush the stinky toilets. I remember after one game specifically, we were not playing well. We were playing our cross-rival team, and the coach told me to stay out of the locker room. We were playing at home, at our home high school gym, and he made me and the trainer, we had two or three other kind of people that helped out with the team. He said, y'all stay out here. I'm going to go in there. And I thought, well, he's probably going to kill at least two of the boys maybe a freshman, they'll sacrifice one of them to get them to play better. And they came out, and they were warming up for the second half, and the coach came and grabbed me, and he says, can you go back into the locker room and clean up before the end of the game? And I thought, oh, boy, I'm going to dispose of a body. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I walked in there, and it was just destroyed. The coach went in there and threw everything that he could possibly grab his hands on. The The board was broken in half. I mean, just he destroyed everything. And I'm like, how do I even put this back together? Like, this is... But that is what the Holy Spirit does. Let's be honest. You and me, I'll put me in it as well. As individuals, as humans, we are dirty, dirty creatures. Think about the thoughts that run through your mind throughout the day when that person cuts you off in traffic, when you're waiting in line to get your burger at McDonald's and the line's going slow, the crazy things that you think about and say that the Holy Spirit decided he wanted to live inside of you and me. 
Goodness, we're disgusting creatures. But what a gift that God himself wants to live inside of you. Not just to point out all your flaws. Look how gross it is up here in your mind. And look what you're doing to your stomach. And goodness, look at your toes. Cut your toenails. No, no, no. He lives inside of us because he's helping us clean up. The messes that we made, the Holy Spirit is in there. And he's saying, hey, 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 remember that Jesus did this for you. Remember that God loves you. Remember that he cares for you. You don't need to go there. You don't need to do this again. You don't have to keep falling in that same trap over and over again. The Holy Spirit decided to live inside of you. What a beautiful gift. The last thing I have, two scriptures and I'm done. Romans chapter 11, verse 29. Paul writes to the church in Rome, and he says, For the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. The gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. That word irrevocable means unregretted or reversed or upset about. God is not upset about the gifts that he's given you. God is not going to reverse once you mess up, once you don't do a good enough work, once you do a bad work. He's not going to say, give me those gifts back. Give me Jesus back. How dare you let me put the Holy Spirit inside of you and you think those thoughts You go to those places, come here, Holy Spirit, get out of him. He wants to give you those gifts. They're not reversible. He wants to bless you with them. He wants you to use them. He wants you to operate them. And the last scripture I have, 1 Timothy 4, verse 14, Paul is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. And the scripture that he says simply, he says, Do not neglect the gifts that are in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Do not neglect the gifts that are in you. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit do not regret and are not going to reverse all of these gifts. That they, and there's more gifts. We didn't even touch on them all. There's more gifts in the Bible that God has given you. He's not going to regret and he's not going to remove the gifts that he's given you once you believe and receive what Jesus has done for you. Do not neglect the gifts that have been given to all of humanity and to you specifically. Search them out, use them, and enjoy the gifts of the Father, the gifts of the Son, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let's stand up as we get ready to head out. Father, we thank you that you're a good God. Thank you, God, that you give gifts. Thank you, God, that you give good gifts. Thank you, God, that you give perfect gifts. Father, I thank you that we have the opportunity, while there's still breath in our lungs, to receive all of those gifts. We have the ability to receive the gift of Jesus. We have the ability to receive the gift of salvation. We have the gift to receive, the ability to receive the gift of eternal life, of spending it with you, not away from you, but with you. We have the ability to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit inside of us, the ability to be used inside your church, the ability for the Holy Spirit to give us gifts to minister to people inside and outside of the church, to be that shining light that you've called us to be, that we are blessed and we get to be a blessing. Father, I thank you for the people here. I thank you that you reminded them of the gifts that you've given them, that you're not going to take them away, you're not going to reverse them, you're not going to regret them, and that we encourage these people today to not neglect them, to not forget them, to operate and walk in the gifts and the talents and the blessings that God has given us as a humanity, as a church, but also individually, that you've placed things inside of each and every one of us to be a blessing to this church, to be a blessing to our family, to be a blessing to our community. 
Now, Father, I pray Scripture over them. I pray, pray the giftings that you have given them over them, that you have given them healing in the name of Jesus. Their body is the temple of the Most High God. Therefore, they are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Father, you've given them the gift of prosperity, that you've given them the power to obtain wealth. It says in the Scriptures, you said that we can lay our hands on anything and it would prosper. You said in your word that we're the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, blessed in the city and blessed in the field. You gave us the free favor of God so that we have favor with God and man, and it surrounds us like a shield. Father, I thank you that you gave us the ability to be the salt and the light of the world, that everywhere we go, we diffuse the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ so that people have an, an opportunity to have an encounter with God simply by being next to us, simply by having a conversation with us, simply by talking with us. They have the opportunity to experience God's presence and be forever changed by the beautiful gift called the gospel message. Now, Father, bless your people, protect your people, cause them to prosper in everything they do, and bring them back safely next week. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't neglect the gifts, and we'll see y'all next week. If y'all are a part of the play, then please stick around so that you can practice. God bless. Take care. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.